0: Welcome to Ideas at ND, the official podcast for the Idea Center at the University of Notre Dame. This podcast features conversations with some of Notre Dame's most creative entrepreneurs and inventors. In our episodes, we dive into the stories, ideas, and people driving innovation at Notre Dame. In this four part podcast, Brian Ritchie, Vice President, and Kathy and John Martin, Associate Provost for Innovation at the University of Notre Dame, and Tom Crotty, a senior advisor at Battery Ventures and a Notre Dame alumnus. Discuss why Notre Dame established a separate for-profit venture capital investment fund, why it acts as the general partner and has external limited partners, how the fund is structured, and how other institutions of higher education can build something like it. Part four.
1: So a couple, another question, is there a specific structure requirement for the portfolio companies you know, S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC, and why or why not. Uh, we do encourage all of our companies to be C-Corps, um, and we set them up as C-Corps just because that's the easier way. It's not that we've never done an LLC, but we like them to be C-Corps. I, I don't know if you feel the same way in your investments, Tom.
2: Yeah, I, you know, uh, there, there can be, based on the business model, a good reason why it's one versus the other versus the other. Um, but generally speaking, I think it's the safest and, and most expedient and uh, least complicated is, is to go straight C-Corp. Um, but if there's other valid reasons why that, uh, doing something else makes sense, I, I've always been open to it and I know that you guys are as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Here's a question. Who's on the investment decision team? Is it a majority vote or does it require a unanimous vote? And how is a yes-no decision made? Um, The investment decision team is internal. There are three members of that team. Uh, It's myself and James Thompson and Matt Gardner that make up that investment decision team. Um, It is, it is a a majority vote. It's not a unanimous vote. Um, I, as the head of that have to vote yes um, for that to happen. All of our decisions over a certain amount go to the investment advisory committee um, for their input and guidance on these as well. And we are, uh, we try to be very transparent um, with that committee on everything that we're doing so that they have a good sense of what's happening and, and how we're thinking about the deals that we're putting together. Um, so that's how we've structured that. And just for clarity, uh, the advisory board doesn't decide
2: yes or no, but uh, deals of a certain size, we want to we want to kind of kick it around with Brian and and the team and help them think it through. Um and, and just be a, a voice, uh, added voice to their decision-making process.
1: Yeah, which has been tremendously valuable for us. I mean, whenever you get an advisory committee that will spend the time that they have to help us think about these things and, and give their input and with all their years of experience has been a tremendous asset uh, to us. Um, here's a question right to the head, heart of the RCC, Tom, for you. It says, as a Catholic university, Notre Dame is a USCCB compliant investor, which is true, Um, Were other Catholic investing groups, um, the KFC, Catholic Investment Services, or other Catholic universities examined when developing Idea Center's own mission statement?
2: That's a thoughtful question, Um, and I think that the answer is no. Um, I can't you know, we're talking 2013, 14, 15, so it's a while back now, but I don't recall as a part of the RCC's process that we um, spent a lot of time looking at other Catholic institutions, models and approaches on this stuff, to be honest. Um, We were spending time um, looking at best practices as part of the committee process. We we had meetings out at uh, Stanford, um, we had meetings at some other universities, some labs, um, um, both federal and corporate labs. And, you know, we did a lot of best practice type work, but I don't recall, uh, a Catholic, uh, uh other Catholic schools or other Catholic organizations component to that best practices work we did. Yep. Yep. Maybe, maybe that was a, a miss on our part. At the time. Yeah, no, it's an
1: interesting question. I know that as we've gone forward, we've given that a lot of thought. And in fact, we've started to reach out to more of those groups um, at this stage as well. And hopefully that will continue to inform, uh, uh, you know, the decisions we're making for this fund and, and decisions we might make for potential future funds. Um, a couple of things here that I think are interesting. We're, we're just about out of time. So maybe we'll try to do one or two more here as we wrap up. But one of the questions here is how the fund differs in its approach to Uh, Life science technologies as opposed to um, other kinds of technologies and I'll just Comment on that really quickly to say that there is no question that specific components of the life sciences, especially, you know, drug discovery, pharmaceuticals, therapeutics um, Diagnostics, they just take more resources. It's it's not that the fund hasn't made investments in those areas and will continue to do so um, But we're looking for partners early uh, in those we want to get to validation points as quickly as we can uh, to bring in the outside capital that are necessary to, to take that forward. So far, we've been successful doing that, but it is a harder road. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, la- uh, let's do one more here. Um, if another university fund invests in some technology that touches, has exposure, or participates from ND, would we consider co-investing?
2: I'll throw it up. I would assume yeah. so, Brian, but uh,
1: yeah. you're the fund manager, so <laughs> I'm going to let you answer it. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely. Uh, I think that's absolutely. Uh, all right, here's, here's one last one we'll do. Stanford and MIT startups have built, uh, built-in geographical advantages, e.g. proximity to large numbers of established high-tech companies, large regional talent pools. What corresponding geo-advantages does ND have, and how do they factor into the fund strategy? That's an awesome question. Let's take that one. We'll end on that one. What do you think, Tom?
2: I think Notre Dame's advantage is not a geographic one per se. uh, It's just from where we reside in the country. In fact, you could say that's That's a a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage. There's no doubt. Uh And what we're trying to do is counter that with the uh, Notre Dame family and rallying the Notre Dame family and all those assets and all that experience and that knowledge and bring it to bear. Having said that, um, we might be this pandemic may be altering that dynamic as we sit here today. I agree. Um, people are now going to be hired and are going to be working remotely. And I think, you know, while it'll never completely erode the geographic advantages Stanford and, you know, any of the Boston schools have, or, um, uh, you know, those they're always going to have that advantage of the vibrant ecosystem that that everybody can leverage up together. But it's gonna, it's gonna come down and, and, and it's gonna allow organizations, universities and startups and, and other businesses the opportunity to thrive a little easier than you know, historically.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. You know, one of the things we've recognized is that while we're not in Silicon Valley or Route 128, um, we have access to a tremendous resource in our alumni base. And our ability to connect with those alums. And by the way, this is one thing Notre Dame has done that a lot of other universities have struggled to figure out is how to give access to their alumni base to certain components of the university, right? In some universities, they own their alums uh, in the different areas. That's not true in Notre Dame. We've been able to get access to and leverage the abilities of our alumni base in all the different areas we have needed. I'll give you a quick example. We were looking for... Um, pancreatic oncologists for a technology we were developing, and we needed some feedback. And within one day, we were able to get 20 pancreatic oncologists on the line to give us feedback on a technology. So, even though we're not in Silicon Valley or Boston, I feel like we're able to leverage that asset in ways that are really important. And I would say, if other universities are considering this, um, you need to figure that one out. That's an important resource that you need to learn how to be able to get access to. I couldn't agree more. And
2: that's, that's why this, uh, Pitt pit road and uh, the idea center first and then pit road second being top down driven is such an important component to it because, um, you know, Lou Nanny who runs development at Notre Dame is an ally. That's right. He understands that, you know, uh, Brian needs access to him and his database to, uh, to touch people. And he's been a, he's been a, a great, uh, a, a, a great ally to, to the fund and to the Idea
1: Center. And you know, he recognizes too, Tom, that if we have an LP in our fund who is making an investment and we can help build a return and do something really great for the university, it actually makes them more likely to be a donor. So in some cases, you get universities like, oh my gosh, I can't let you go raise money from my best donors or they won't give money to the university as a donor. That's absolutely has not been our experience. I agree. Our experience has been that the more engaged they get with the Idea Center, the more willing they are to participate in philanthropy at the same time.
2: Right. I think I think so many of the LPs that when they were approached with the private placement memorandum were shocked that it wasn't they weren't being asked for a donation. Yeah, that's right. it was
1: like very refreshing, you know. Like, <laughs> wow, this is ROI. Yeah. yeah sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and, and by the way, it was uh, their, their generosity and, and their willingness to participate and their willingness to support made that fundraise very easy. So it was, it was great. Well, Tom, we, we really appreciate your time today. Appreciate your willingness to uh, be engaged in what we're doing here in Notre Dame. Um, I will say to all of those listening that if you have additional questions and it's possible for us to answer them, we'd be happy to do so. Uh, We were unable to get to all of the questions for which we apologize, it wasn't possible. But if you have questions or want to engage with us, we are committed to helping you do this at your university if possible. We'd love to do all we can to to lead and help you in that area. Um, So if there's something we do, please let us know. Again, thank you, Tom. Uh, Really appreciate your help. We'll be turning these into a series of podcasts. If you have not um, been out to see uh, uh, previous podcasts, we invite you to do so. They're all on our website, and that's where these will be as well. So with that, we'll sign off and wish you all a great day and hope to see you on a future webinar podcast from the Idea Center.
0: Thanks for listening to Ideas at ND. For more information on this episode and others, visit our website at ideacenter.nd.edu/slash/about/slash/podcast.